morning. <coughs> so we're carrying on with 2020, envisioning, envision, envision, thinking about the future of battle. Okay. And um, the focus today is, is, in a sense, and this might sound a little bit weird when I start talking on, on ourselves. As we think about having this vision, looking outwards, just for, for a moment, in order to help us to, uh, to do that properly, we're kind of looking in a little bit. And there's some irony of that uh, in what I'm going to say. So, let me say this. Being family is hard. Is that true? Yeah. Being a parent is hard. True? Being a child is hard. True? There's a few parents who know it's not. They've got it really easy now. It's hard work. Doesn't mean it's not worth it and it's not wonderful. But family life, being a parent, being a child is hard. It can be challenging. Before Christmas, we were looking at the series It's a Wonderful Life. Do you remember that last year, all that time ago? And um, something I was reflecting on that a little bit when I was trying to put this together for, for today. And there's a bit in the um, early on in the series where George Bailey's life is starting to come apart. And he comes home and he sees the mess, the chaos that his kids have made at home. And they're all running around. They all want his attention. They all want him to do this, that, and the other. And he shouts out, why do we go and have to have all these kids anyways? <coughs> I'm sure none of us have ever had that thought go through our minds. Why did we ever have these kids anyway? <coughs> Perhaps we can identify with that. Perhaps there have been those moments when family just seems to be overwhelming. Um, and we all know our own individual challenges of being part of the families that we were born into. But I hope that as Christians, we can see our families, <coughs> excuse me, that we can see our families in the light of God, in the light of knowing God's revelation to humanity, to us, through his word, through Jesus Christ. We see the challenge and the joys of family in that light. And so as we look at this idea about 2020 vision for ourselves and for Bethel, as we look forward to better understand where God's calling us and leading us, I want to encourage you this morning to consider the context of this message, uh, this message within the context of your family and this family, Bethel, this big family. Because I think the principles here are the same for both. So let's just go back a little bit. In Genesis 1, chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, I believe we see there the, the, the institution of family. We see that God created family with a specific purpose. The family that God creates has meaning. It's, it's a meaning that's inherent in the family itself that God creates. So then, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Really important, made 
in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now as we look at this passage and we consider what was read to us from Psalm 127, I just want to say that it's important that we acknowledge that not that there are some people here whose idea of family, perhaps for various reasons, feels a bit broken right now. People that are living through broken families and broken marriages. Or people whose person now comes out of a broken marriage or a broken family. And I just want to encourage you not to let that experience let you think you don't have to hear what God wants us to hear this morning. It's my situation. My own family is a broken family. But I believe that this message is for me, and I believe it's for all of us, wherever we are in our family relationships. I think God's word, right through God's word, communicates a principle, many principles, that help us to thrive in community and relationships and and teaches us how to have good, strong relationships with one another and families. But the Bible also brings us many stories and examples of how God's grace meets people in the midst of brokenness. He meets us where things go wrong. He meets people where their families aren't working out in the midst of our just natural humanity. There isn't a perfect family. Who lives in a perfect family? Good. Makes me feel a bit better. There isn't a perfect church. Anyone here go to a perfect church? No. But we can still be people in our families and in our churches who grow in faithfulness and have an intentional uh, purpose, a mission, a desire to be the best that we can as families. There's a kind of tradition in society that says something like this. It sort of says, families exist for their own sake. You might hear this thing, family is what it's all about. But I don't think that's right. Because I don't think family is what it's all about. And I think that family problems start when a family focuses inwards on itself. When, when a family begins to think that it exists for its own sake. And we can see that in one of the, the Bible stories, of one of the most famous families, early families in the story of, of our relationship with God, Isaac and Rebekah, and their sons, Jacob and Esau. That story in Genesis 27, it tells you about how this family struggled with its identity. 
I don't know, when you, if you remember the story, whether you yourselves, maybe you felt as a youngster ever in competition with cousins or brothers and sisters, did you ever have that? That there was somebody in the family, a, a, one of your siblings or one of your cousins, that you kind of felt that you were competing with somehow? Perhaps it was a brother or a sister, and maybe you even felt that you were competing for the attention of your parents with them. Have you ever felt that nothing you ever did was quite good enough for somebody in your family? Because that's what really the story of Isaac and Esau tells us about and what they experienced. What we read, we, we know about what they did and how their lives didn't necessarily pan out perfectly well. But when we go back in their story, what we, what we see is very quickly this, this young family we see a situation where mum and dad pick favourites. They kind of pick and play favourites. And this family that's focused inwards on itself, that's just one generation removed from God's promise to Abraham, gets things wrong. They're a family that are living within that understanding of God's promise, and yet it's gone wrong already. It's a house a family that's supposed to exist for others. And yet, it's kind of a family that's all about division and selfishness. And because of that, the family falls apart. Now that promise that God made to Abraham about Isaac and Isaac's descendants was about, not just a family, it was about nations. It was an outward-focused promise. To all people. The point of Abraham's son Isaac and Isaac's descendants was about other people. Not just themselves. They were born to be blessings to everyone else. Their family existed for God and for the world. And so that thing that says family is what it's all about is wrong, I believe, because I think the family exists for God and for the world. And if a family is just about itself, then it isolates itself or risks isolating itself from God and from the world in which he's put it. I believe families exist for God's sake, not for ours. For the kingdom's sake. And in Psalm 127, those few verses that we just read now, the psalmist talks about the joy of having a full quiver and it's about, what he's talking about is, is a family that's blessed with many children. And we get this picture of the archer who has a quiver full of arrows. Now, if you were an archer, and you've got a, you know what a quiver is. Everyone knows what a quiver is, yeah? It's a container either on your side or on your back that you keep your arrows in. And if you went into battle with a quiver full of arrows and you never fired them, it wouldn't really be much point, would you? You might only have a few of them. You might want to keep them because, you know, you've not got many. But the point is, they're there to use. And if you never fired them, well, you, you would have failed in your purpose. And kind of the image that the, the psalmist painting here is an image for us as family, as parents. If we have a family full of arrows, children, 
then it's our responsibility to raise them. Raise them in a way that they know God, they understand him and prepare them and prepare ourselves, more importantly, to one day let them fly. Let them loose on the world, perhaps. Which could be quite a scary thing. If we have gone about our task well in helping them to know who God is and have a relationship with God, when we loose those children, then we might have the confidence that they'll fly true. They'll fly straight and well. I think it's a really beautiful image. Maybe that's because I've kind of got a bit of an interest in war and stuff like that, that I, I see something beautiful in the concept of an archer firing these arrows straight and true and, and how it's used to help us think about our families. But it's an image about how God intended family to be. A unit, a part of the whole part of the whole world, a unit where children are raised and gathered and taught and released to continue to be part of God's purposes in the world. So if that's true, if any of what I've said is true, how do we therefore maintain an outward focus in our family? when we live in an inwardly focused culture. Because I think that's, that's really where we are in society. A culture that sort of encourages us to look in on ourselves, to think about ourselves and not look out to where we are and where God is calling us. Well, I believe that it begins and it ends very simply with how central God is to our family. I believe that a family that prays together, a family that studies the words together regularly, a family that discusses God, that talks about God and discusses about what God is doing in their lives and what God is, is calling them to, that's a family that's not working in vain. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. If we build our families on God, well then those hard days, the long nights, the tears, the struggles, the cost, will not be in vain. If God really is at the heart of our families. And then the days will come when we can loose those arrows and they will fly straight and true. And so I believe as we think about 2020 vision, as we think about where God is calling us to be as family, as individuals, as church family, then a really important place for us to start at is this truth, that God should be at the centre of all we do as family. At the centre of all we do as family. I think that's a real challenge. 
I think it's a challenge, well it is for me, because I, I know that that's probably not true in my family. I'd like to say that God is at the centre of a lot of what we do, but I don't think I could honestly say God is at the centre of all we do as a family, and nor was he as my children were growing up. I wish I could say that, but I think you'd rather I was honest with you. I think it's a challenge, because it's what God really wants from us. In all we do, that's the key challenge there. At the very least, I do believe that a family should be aiming to set aside time every week when God really is the deliberate focus of their attention. A time of prayer, a time of study, a time of discussion. That might sound insufficient for you. You might be thinking, do that, that's fine, or we've done that. Fabulous. Do more. That might sound unreasonable to you. You might think, well, when, how? You don't know my family. Well, I don't, but I know mine, and I know how, how difficult it can be. But the difficulty of something doesn't make it untrue. If something's difficult, doesn't mean, well, it can't be what God wants, because it's hard. That's often the reality of the things that God wants of us. They are hard. Being disciples, being discipled, means being taught and trained to get disciplines in our lives, to have things that we stand on and that become at the heart of what we do as family. I think if that was the habit for every family here, but just once a week, no matter how many are in your family, whether it's just husband and wife now, maybe the kids have already gone, but if you've got kids too, spent just one time a week, deliberately talking about what God's doing in their lives and, and praying and studying together. It would have a huge impact on your relationships with each other and with God and our ability as families and as a church to really know where God's calling us and where he wants us to go. Do you want to know where God wants you to go? Would you like to know God's vision for the future? Who are you going to call? Remember, you know, it's not the Ghostbusters, it's God. <laughs> you want to know where God wants you to go? Well, you have to actually spend time talking and listening to him. You have to, you have to read this. You have to pray. You know, heaven forbid, you might even sing together. I'm not allowed to sing often in my house out loud, but um, the children do for me. I believe that parenting is a gift. And you might not agree with me about that and about some of the things I'm about to say, and that's absolutely fine. Because the point about preaching is not that I'm supposed to tell you everything that you should think and everything that you should believe. The point about preaching is that I believe that my job is to provoke you into thinking about what you believe. So, 
It's okay if you disagree what I'm, with what I'm going to say about parenting. That's okay. But if you do disagree with it, then what I'd want to say is, it should be based on what you know from this and from your conversations with God. If you disagree with what I'm trying to share with you this morning, it shouldn't be based on what your friends tell you. you know, those friends that don't believe in God, the people around you in culture that don't believe that God's got anything to do with it. They're not good people to base your thinking about parenting and about family. So, if you disagree with me, fine. Make sure it's on this and come and tell me what it is you disagree with me about because you might help me understand better. That sounds like I'm trying to make myself out to be, you know, I know better. I don't. I just believe this is really important for us to, to think about and I want to encourage you to be deliberate in the way you think and the opinions that you form. There are a lot of articles around all across social media, across the internet, millions of books that you can get about parenting. And they quite rightly, I think, sort of recognize and talk about parenting not being a job. I agree with that. I don't think parenting is a job. But almost all of them, when they make that argument, they come up with this thing where they say, well, parenting is actually a vocation. And you see, I'm not sure that's true either. I don't believe that parenting is a job, and I don't believe it's a vocation. We looked last week at, at work, when we were thinking about 2020, and at this word vocation. And a vocation is defined as an occupation to which a person is specifically drawn on drawn or for which they are suited, trained or qualified and although now often used in non-religious religious, contexts the meaning of the term originated in Christianity. I don't know about you but when I became a parent I did not particularly feel that I was suited, trained or qualified to do it. And I'm not sure I am still but do you know, up until around the 16th century, the word vocation specifically was used within the context of a calling from God, a calling to serve God. Now, I do believe that parenting is one of the most important things that we can do. And I believe that for those of us who get the privilege of being parents, it is an amazing, incredible blessing an astonishing challenge. And as Christian parents, we have the opportunity to raise our children in such a way that they have the very best opportunity to make decisions for Jesus themselves. That's the most important thing we can ever do for our children. It won't be what we buy them, or what clothes we dress them in, or what school we send them to, or how we help them to meet the demands of all their peers and all the rest of it, it will be that we help them to make a decision for Jesus themselves. And there are a lot of people that can help us in that task. Family, friends, and church. But ultimately, the most important spiritual influence on our children is us. 
And if we abdicate that and leave it to somebody else to do, then we've missed out on what it is God needs us to do as parents. See, I don't believe that the Bible teaches us anywhere that parenting is a job or a vocation. And I think that if we, if we think about it as a job or a vocation, then what it becomes is some kind of task-oriented job. You do this and this and this and this. Some kind of contract or duty that we have to fulfill. And I think that if we allow ourselves to think of parenting in that way, we strip away the beauty of what parenting really is. Do you remember that passage in, in Genesis? God, it says God made man and woman in his image. So how we, how we are as parents must reflect how God is as a parent to us. And I believe that parenting at its best is just this. It's an act of love. It's a natural relational response between a parent and a child. God's parenting of us has always been driven by love, not by his duty or responsibility for us, but his love of us. That's the relationship I have with God. That's what I know of him. And as children made in the image of our father, so our parenting should be shaped by the same way, love. I'm gonna, I want to draw this to a close, and, and as I do so, having really just touched on some questions about what it is to be family, really, or what our responsibilities are to be as family, the principles of family, I want you to consider this. The church family does not exist for itself, but for God and the world. Our purpose here is not to keep us happy, to look after ourselves. God's quite capable of that if we go about doing what he wants us to do. The church family needs to be rooted and centred on God and what God wants us to do. This applies to, to our family and the church family. And the church family needs to be outwardly focused. And to make that a reality, we have to have God focused too. That might sound contradictory. You can't have two focuses. But the point is, if we focus on God and what God is leading and calling us to, then a church family will automatically become outwardly focused. We're in the world, but not of the world. And we're in the world for a very simple reason, that God needs us to look out into the world and see where he's calling us to serve him in it. And just as in a normal family, if a, family, if a normal family becomes inwardly focused, it becomes dysfunctional. That's true for church too. If a church family spends its time focused inwardly, then it won't be functional. It has to be looking out. We talked last week and we talked at the Catholic Church about limitless vision. God puts no limit on what he has for us to do and what he wants to achieve in the world. 
if there's any limit on what we think we can do as church, it's ours. We put it there. Limitless vision requires us to believe that God has got limitless purpose and limitless things for us to do. And he's going to, without limit, equip us and encourage and empower us to do those things. Without limit. And if we just look in and look to ourselves and look to self-preservation and just then we will have totally limited what God wants to do. <clears throat> I gave you some questions last week to take away and think about. <clears throat> so I have two for you today. And they are this. Is my family, this is your family or your church family, is my family rooted and centred on God? I want to encourage you to go away and prayerfully think about that this week. Is that true? I, I want to encourage you to go and talk about that with each other. In your house groups, maybe just ask yourselves, is that true? Is my, is my family inwardly focused or outwardly focused? Just spend time. Maybe as a family, asking yourselves, where, where are we looking? Who's at the centre of everything that we do? And I want you to think about that in the context of 2020 vision. About where and what God is calling us into. I want to encourage you to make sure your family, your church family, has got its focus right and got God right at the centre. Because if God's at the centre, he'll be in everything. But if God's just on the edge, then you've limited him already. If we want to know where we're heading, if we want to know where God's taking us to, then we really do need to know where we are. And if where we are is not where God is, then believe me, we're going to find it really difficult to make our journey, to get to where he needs us to be. It begins and it ends with how central God is in your family. 